I don't make New Year's resolutions, but I'm going to work very hard on um, taking a square away from the bingo board for mm. this year. And I am going to do my very best to ensure that Matt doesn't have to say, you know what to do, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryer Malt. Hop in with your malt mates. Cryer Malt is proud to team up with Yakima Chief Hops to bring you the very best Pacific Northwest hops to Australian and Kiwi brewers. Yakima Chief Hops is a 100% grower-owned global hop supplier based in the Pacific Northwest of the USA. Their mission is to connect family hop farms to the world's finest brewers. Their hop products are available through your mates, at Cryer Malt. And your mates at Cryer Malt are proud to bring you this. And this is Brews News Week, our regular wrap of all that has made news in beer this week. It's great to be back for another year of sharing our views and opinions with you all, creating debate and stirring the mash tun that primes this crazy old wonderful world of beer. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and joining me for another fun and informative rotation around the sun, uh, the founder and editor of Australian Brews News, and I might point out, the newly crowned host of Gab's favourite installation, Craft College, Matt, the lunch cutter Kierkegaard, and the eagle-eyed and beagle-nosed sniffer-outer of stories and scoops. It's Claire Boom Boom Burnett. G'day, guys. All right, Pete. G'day, Pete. Now, I, I got it. It, it, it's, it's not Craft Beer College. Um, it's uh, Gab's Academy. Thank you very much. So oh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not cutting oh, your so lunch. it's completely I'm not, different. I'm, I'm not cutting your grass or anything like that. It's, yeah. it's completely different. It's me talking to three brewers on stage at Gab's. Um, completely like, different you from you talking to three brewers on stage <laughs> at Gab's. We'll talk a little bit about Gab's, just very quickly about Gab's, because you know, Gab's had their first summer festival. and uh, look, I, The summer tour. The, the summer the tour. tour. Um, yeah. Which, again, you know, like it, it, it was given that Mike bought Gab's in, what, November 2019, and just as they were preparing preparing for his first um, outing, outing, um, you know, we had COVID lockdown Bang. events, um, and once Queensland opened up and looked safe for a significant period of time, um, I think they saw that as an opportunity to try something new um, under the Gabs brand that might be something that would stick. Um, and of course, poor guy got <laughs> caught up. Um, he, he's he's been up here for you know weeks getting it all ready. Um, and, and an event like that takes a lot of work to, to get up and running. So he's been here doing it. And he was flying back, I think, two weeks before Christmas to um, uh, return Sydney. home, see his family before he came back. Um, Sydney or South Africa? Sydney. Sydney. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> and he'd, he'd literally passed through security, was sitting, waiting for his flight to board. And he opened his phone, looked at the news, saw the outbreak in Sydney that the borders have closed, realised he may not get back. And around, had, to, had to get back. his bag and, and go. Oh, no. Um, which was bad enough. But then, you know, last weekend um, when we had the Gold Coast event, um, Brisbane suddenly went into a you know emergent three-day lockdown. And uh, I think 50% of their ticket sales had been people who were based in Brisbane um, that they had to, uh, you know, um, give a refund to but you know d- despite the challenges of running a major event in COVID um, from my point of view it looked like it the, the, the organisation and the professionalism of the events that they do was um, as good as um, Gab's like it was certainly up there for, for a new event I, I got the feeling that there was a lot of frenetic activity behind the scenes but the event itself from the consumer point of view um, was excellent. Um, it, it takes a lot of effort to make it look as effortless as they do. 
But it's and it's, it's something that we've talked about on the podcast before, Pete. You know, um, it's always interesting speaking to brewers um, after events because some of them come back, oh, yeah, I made out like a bandit, which my experience as somebody that doesn't have that skin in the game of watching um, you know, crowds and, and sort of looking at, well, I've spent, you know, $1,500 to be here and they take 10% or 20% or 30% clip of my um, every beer I sell and looking at it from that point of view plus the staff and things. Um, and But when you, whenever I've heard brewers say, we did really well at a beer event, it coincides with events that I've seen very high levels of drunkenness and bad behaviour, um, either inside the event or outside the event, which is just a, you know, it, it's an unfortunate thing because if people are spending a lot of money in a beer festival, they're drinking a lot of beer in a beer festival. Yeah, yeah. And, that often and look, with, with most of these festivals, you can probably divide the brewer contingent into into you know into thirds. There'll be some who who see it purely as an outreach event, so it's a, it's a way of of introducing their product to um, to people who, who don't know them. So whether they're a new brewer or it's the first time at an event or they've got something new to sell or whatever. For others, it's it's just a promo opportunity and to, to be able to engage with their their fan base and that sort of thing. And then for others, yeah, it's we, we've got to make some coin out of this. And I, and I think it, it's always difficult to create an event where you're going to keep all three of those parties happy because you, you really can't, you know. Well, it, it, it's, it's difficult to do. And, that, and that's with everything going well, you know, throw COVID yeah. into the mix and and, and um, you, you brewers are entitled to you know, ask what do we get from it because there are so many demands on brewers in terms of the number of beer festivals and the travel and the cost and the obligation that absolutely they're going to sort of look at the bottom line but I did you know I, I just started to something that clicked into place in, in, in my thinking as I you know got around and spoke to brewers and just sort of had a feeling for it because the, both of the, the, the Gabs events um, on the Sunshine Coast and the Gold Coast were very much outreach events because you know like I've seen the crowds that go to the craft beer college um, you know in Melbourne um, the, the, the Melbourne uh, exhibition building for example and you've got very invested craft beer people who are there to listen to specific brewers and hear their insights into what's happening in their brewery and in, in their beers and in, in the industry. The audience that I was um, presenting to, 50% of them had never been to a beer festival in their lives. Um, you know, more than uh, As in Gabs or... No, any, no, it had been to any, a, any beer, a, festival. A beer festival. Yeah, so it was very much... And, you know, then I was hearing from brewers, oh, you know, like, then they're, you know, they're, they're, they're lager drinkers or, you know, like, um, the, the, the feedback from brewers, oh, you know, they, they've got a lager drinker set and, uh, you know, we, we're not sort of selling as much as, as we want. And, you know, again, I, I don't want this to sound critical, but it is one of those things that I think... In the industry um, over the last couple of years, um, businesses that have set up um, and come to the industry because they've seen this market um, for interesting and challenging and exciting and inventive craft beers, they didn't operate 20 years ago when essentially everyone was a lager drinker. Um, and yeah, you know the yeah. Cam and Dave from Mountain Goat, and the you know the Holgate, um, you know, and the Hargraves Hill and Kraus, Hargraves Hill, those yep. guys. Yep. They actually had to create the market for the product that they wanted to make, as opposed to going, well, there's this market that is excited for the product that I'm making already. And I just, you know, I, I, it, it, it's something that I, I think I've been feeling and hadn't been able, hadn't really dropped what it was, and you know. How many times, Pete, have you heard brewers 
talk about, you know, when you ask them, um, you know, I when they've got a brewery in planning or when they sort of have a new brewery and you sort of say, look, are you worried about how crowded the market is? And, you know, you get the answer back, oh, the rising tide lifts all boats. I'm not worried, you know, the rising tide lifts all boats. Um, you know, do you get that a lot, Pete? Yeah, yep. Yeah, and it, it was, and, and it's something that just becomes one of those aphorisms that you repeat, you repeat, you repeat. But it suddenly clued to me over the last you know, probably six months that when brewers are saying that, they're actually a lot of them, or, or as an industry, or you know, there, there is a an element of the, a mindset. Of the industry, a mindset that building the boat is going to bring the tide in, and so you've got all these people building boats and trimming their sails, and you know, working out where they want to go. You're really stretching this. Yeah, well, but <laughs> none of them. Are, you know, from from a strictly physics point of view, I suppose if you, the more boats you put in water, the more water it displaces, the higher the water goes. <laughs> well, it also gets very crowded. But I'm, 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 you know, where is the water coming from? You know, what's bringing the tide in? Um, well, it, it's the lager drinkers, isn't it? Isn't well, that's, the, that's I've, I've never been to a beer from. festival. What's what's all this fuss about? What's this craft beer? What's independent mean? That's I, I think yeah. That's we probably need to reset our compass a little bit and say yeah okay. That's that's really the the audience. The one percent of the one percent, or the one percent of the of the five percent, if you like, which is your you know your hazies, your pastry stouts, the beers that we often make fun of on this program. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> With love, that, that's uh, yeah, exactly, and and it, and, it, and it is very much it is just as valid as the first brewers, Brendan Varus, putting out Feral White as yep. their their first their flagship beer before Hop Hog was a thing. Um, the Alpha Pale Ales, the Dog Bolters, the um, you know the Belgian Golden Ales, that sort of thing. That was you know that the Hefeweizens. That was what was exciting and new, and and what needed to differentiate this thing from from the lager drinkers now we've kind of got them all on board and, and there'll, there'll always be a spot for that and and those beers then are today's hazies and cloudies and pastry stouts and what have you but i think now we need to sort of say yeah okay we we do need to make some beers that uh you know and i would imagine sunshine coast and when you called me it was what 30 with 29 oh, it was, degrees or it was, it was like 31 32 humidity. degrees and <laughs> yeah it was hot it was now if that's yeah, who may be the boss of summer? Well, <laughs> the weather and <laughs> it human nature. Help, yeah. and but, but that's a, a great example, Pete. Million because... years of evolutionary biology, you twat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, Sorry, that bloke really annoys me. Yeah, I know. So the fog voice. But, but that was the thing, you know, like I've been to a lot of beer festivals where they haven't invested in shade. You know, they do an outdoor yeah. event and haven't oh, invested in shade. There. Um, but, and you know, you, you look at and where you the, the move and follow the follow the the shade of the one pine tree <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on the beachfront, or people just sort of you know toasting because they're standing in the sun in, in the sun drinking. And you know, there was a lot of shade. Um, even going to the expense of putting in a tent that is the academy um, for education, which no one goes to you know, a, a beer festival going, oh, I'm going to go see Matt Kierkegaard in the uh, Craft Beer Academy tent. You know, that's worth the price of admission. Um, as, much as, as much as I wish it was. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Yeah, but no, I mean, no one's, no one's going to say that. But when they're there, they might stop by and hopefully learn something. But it's still, a you know, a, a cost when you look at the, 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 the sound mixing guy, the tent, the chairs, exactly. the, the, the refri- yeah. refrigeration, all of that is, is a cost. It, it adds to the experience, but it doesn't bring anybody, it, it doesn't sell any tickets. But hopefully, you know, if, if you, know, you at um, Craft Beer at College or me at the um, Gab's Beer Academy, um, you know, if, if we're able to educate them or, you know, whoever it is, or Kiralee at the um, Beer and Food, um, you know, at the Ariston Cooking Stage, which has always been uh, run in Sydney and Melbourne, um, 
you know, hopefully you're giving people that little bit of knowledge that will, you know, get them from lager um, or, you know, keep them involved or teach them that yeah. little bit so, so yeah. they appreciate it. And, and it sells tickets to the next event because yeah. it was just, I don't know what it was. I can't put my finger on it, but just the whole thing was great and I want to go again. So, yeah, so, I mean, again, I would just really encourage, and it, it's not like, obviously, you know. I'm just looking through our notes, Matt. This, this isn't a paid promotion, is it? No, no, well, well <laughs> no, I mean, a bit of, look, you, you, you can't say, I went to the event because I was paid to be there, but at the same time, <laughs> as you know, Pete, um, I'm pretty critical of um, most things, you know, I cast a critical eye over most things. So, this isn't paid, and I would say the same thing, um, you know, um, no, it's it's an update, and it, and it is news. I was, at, I was I was just being facetious. Oh no, but yeah, but it, but it is something. Regardless of the event, whether it's Gabs or anything else, you know, I would encourage brewers to go. And when you see a well-run event, you know that has, you know, just little details like strings of lights in places, you know, that, that come on at night that aren't main drinking areas, but just make the event feel nice. Or you know, when they do have professional sound rather than just a guy on stage shouting out to an audience over the tannoy, the cheap tannoy speakers. There is a cost to all of that. But then also look at the market that is being served to you and, you know, 10% of the brewer's ticket price goes to, you know, topping up the, you know, bringing the tide in, you know, new what new drinkers am I being exposed to here? Not just for my brand but for the category um, of beer. Yeah, yep, no, exactly. Um, and, and we should uh, take this opportunity too because the news broke uh, while we are on hiatus that uh, Craig Williams has moved on from um, from Gabs and, and we can't talk about uh, the product that is Gabs without talking about Craig and the uh, influence that his personal brand has had on, on Gabs. Um, a lot of the stuff that we take for granted now uh, was stuff that, you know, he in, in conjunction with with Steve and Guy from the Tap House originally when they brought Craig on was looking at what's over there, what's here, how can we do this, what you know, how can I turn Steve's crazy ideas into you know into concrete and clay, mm. and um, and a lot of what Gabs is now and and the effortlessness, the ease with which it seems to run um, is one hundred percent. Due to, to to Craig's influence, Absolutely. so um, we we on behalf of the Radio Brews News team wish him well in his future endeavours, and I believe that he's going to become he and his family are going to become a local of um, uh, one of our favourite breweries, Matt, up there, um, Moffat Beach. I knew he was moving up to uh, the, the oh, Sunshine Coast. Nice. I wasn't sure where because the, the Sunshine yeah, Coast. Yeah, it's down the bottom end of the Sunshine Coast. It, it does extend for 80 kilometres. So when you say you're moving to the Sunshine <laughs> Coast, it, it, you, you, you can't suddenly lob up at the front door and know where they're going to... That's know. right. Lovely place to visit. Wouldn't want to have to walk the length of it. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, well, uh, well done. And, and good luck to, to his family and um, in their new endeavours. Uh, now... We're going to give – when we first – I thought, oh, we're going to be a little bit rusty. It's still kind of technically holidays. Some people are back at uh, work. Some people, obviously, with COVID are back at work but working from home and some are in the, you know, 20 50%, 60% of, you know, if you're allowed back in buildings and, and what have you. So I figured – but it's still kind of holiday-ish. So I was conscious that we want to hit the ground running and uh, and but also ease people back into it. So I, I guess this episode is a little bit like the, the dog-eared paperback that's um, in the shelf down – the holiday house um so we're going to keep it you know fairly light and, and and ease people into it but we also are going to introduce some not some changes but uh, i guess tweak the podcast a little bit but 
to reassure all of our regular and loyal listeners that we're not going to, you know, we're not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. We're not going to chat, you know, it's, it's still going to be the Radio Brews News uh, and Brews News Week and beer is a conversation that you know and love, but we're just going to tighten things up a little bit. So in that vein, um, now we cross live to the Australian Brews News Media Centre for a wrap of the stories making news this week in beer. And Claire, we kick off the year with yet another brewery buyout. We do indeed. Um, so yeah, it was announced this week that Fermentum will be snapping up Two Birds Brewing. Um, and we had a statement from Fermentum which we thought was succinct enough to uh, publish as is. And it goes, Today we are announcing that Two Birds has joined the Fermentum family of businesses following Fermentum's acquisition of the Two Birds Brewery, Taproom and Brands. As of today, co-founders Jane Lewis and Daniel Allen will start a new chapter in their journey as they look to continue driving Two Birds as a distinct business unit at Fermentum. And there's some nice quotes from Danielle um, and the team there, as well as Fermentum. Uh, and then the, what I sort of t- was tacked on at the end, but I thought was really an interesting point about um, Stone and Wood wanting to expand effectively. Um, so it says, we continue to be constrained by our production capacity at our, oh my God, say this for me. <laughs> Mur- Come on. Mur- 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 Bar. Is that right? <laughs> oh my God, yeah. I'm so bad. I still can't the locals is called Murba, so you can actually uh, make okay, it easy. Okay, right, that's so much better. Murba is a little bit t- uh, tricky. Thank you, thank you, Pete. Uh, as once again, we didn't get through the Christmas peak without having to allocate stock. Transferring the production of fixation beers to Spotswood will help us deal with the ongoing growth in the short term. And they went on to say that they'd bought land um, near that massive production site, and they were still looking to, you know, get investors and. Get that pu- get that pushed forward. Um, so they won't be crowdfunding. Near and they won't be crowdfunding. <laughs> no. no. Um, for, for for listeners um, who may have caught up, um, we weren't going to do a beer as a conversation, but um, managed to get some time with Jane and Jamie yesterday, and I'm speaking on Thursday, the thirteenth um, of January. Um, so fourteenth. Um, so yeah. So yesterday on the thirteenth, I managed to get some time. So we put out a special edition. You can hear um, both Jane and Jamie Cook uh, talking extensively about the acquisition. Mm-hmm. That was an interesting one because did you see the Facebook comments on the? Somebody said something about job losses. Have you heard anything about that? Well, fun, yeah, Jane. Um, I, and, and I, I hadn't that? seen that beforehand, mm-hmm. but Jane did mention. Um, you know, because I, I asked a question during the podcast. Um, you know, obviously it would have been a much nicer conversation to have with your staff than announcing that we've been bought by CUB. Yeah. Um, and thinking, because I'd not seen that comment, and uh, that was when Jane sort of said, oh, well, you know, it was, it was still quite sad because we had to let some staff go, so... Oh, well, um, at least she was transparent about it and said, you know, this is what's yeah. happened and all that kind of stuff. And I, I know these things come with growing pains and things like that. It's almost inevitable, really, and it is really sad. Um, and I, I assume they would have worked that all out beforehand and been like, yeah, prepped them all for it. Um, but you know these things happen. But as you say, at least it's not a CUB, I suppose. Well, a CUB or a lion. And, and well, nice. and I didn't want to make light of it um, or anything like that. But you know, it's it, it, it's interesting, Pete. You know, I last year we did the chat with Danielle. Um, we did the beers conversation with Danielle yep. because we'd never really spoken to Danielle on the on the podcast. And Danielle was the marketing partner behind Jane's um, brewing side. And one of the things that interested me in chatting to Danielle as they were coming up to 10 years was, you know, for the first three, four, five years that 
Two Birds was around. It was such a strong and disciplined brand. Um, you know, they'd learned a lot. Um, Jane had worked with a number of very strong um, breweries and had seen a lot. Um, and, and a wine background as well. And, and a then, wine background. Yeah, little Creatures and then Mountain Goat. So, yeah, pretty pretty fair chops. Yeah, so when they launched, they launched with a Golden Ale, which was unusual for the times because that was at the time when everyone was going IPA, you know, Pale Ale, IPA. Hoppy, above. hoppy, hoppy, yeah. Um, and they saw that, you know, a volume play, um, you know, high-quality volume play, the Sunset, another lovely beer that was, you know, a little bit, you know, Amber beers aren't big sellers in Australia um, for a variety of reasons. And, you know, they stuck with it. They had a very strong brand. But over the last couple of years, you know, wobble's not the right way, but they have been playing in that constantly dropping new beers and throwing things at the wall to see what might stick, um, is, is my observer's read of it. Um, so obviously completely surprised that in the first week back in January that this <laughs> land, you know, we're, we're going, oh, you know, nice. Pottering oh, He's back into the year. Um, is, it, you know, is, it doing a pod- is it worth doing a podcast? Nothing's really happened. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, you know, Claire sent me an email. Holy shit! Um, <laughs> yeah, two birds. <laughs> and, uh, and and oh, it was yeah. like that. But yeah. then you know, once once that went through, you sort of think, well, actually, it, it's not that big a surprise mm-hmm. um, because it does make sense, doesn't it? It's a very calculated and clever move on mm. both their parts. Really, that's a strong brand that might need a little bit of new direction and fr- a fresh attitude towards it. And that fermentum gets another really good brand to add to their portfolio yeah well, well i think too more importantly that the the thing that i that struck me was that um fixation is a i think it's in its, in its fourth year now and there's no way out of that small little the incubator brewery in smith street mm. uh that they can produce the, the 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 quantity of beer that they really need to um and also it's 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 uh as a result all the canned product is taking up production space uh at Merbar. so it it's Great for for stone and wood as well. So let's not you know uh, gild the lily and pretend that you know this is a a charity buy on, on behalf of Fermentum. This is very much a strategic move for oh, them. Oh yeah, I, I, you know as as craft credentialed as uh, Fermentum and Stone and Wood are, yeah, I, I I don't think they're in the charity business either. Um, <laughs> yeah. So they see you know, but, um, but but it is great. What I'm what I mean it is it's great to see a, a union, a merger, yeah. a, a, a an acquisition beneficial. that helps. Mm, yeah, yeah. That, that really does help both. Um, because, because we spoke, Matt. Uh, Jane was the first person we spoke to. I think on the um, the antidote, as a result of you know, I'd popped out there to, to to buy some beer before everything was was locking down back in March, and knowing Jane as well as I do for as long as I have, it, it just really hit me that um, you know this was had taken the wind out of her sails. Um, and then with the second even harsher lockdown. They were one of the first breweries I sort of thought of that you know, geez, how do you you know how do you bounce back from this? And and, and it's great that this is a, an opportunity for them to bounce back. And look, I, again, I, you know, I'd, I I do sometimes wonder that I'm the merchant of doom or the you know the <laughs> sort of the crow of unhappiness sitting on the industry shoulder. Well, no, um, we, we, we've said it before. We walk funny, but we don't have crystal balls. But we, I, I guess, have enough time in the game to be able to make reasonable predictions or we just make a shitload of predictions and one of them's got to be right well, eventually. Well, it, it, it's not really we right. predictions, it's observations and looking at, at, at the thing because there is a lot... In, in this industry, it's an industry that deals in 
hype and excitement, um, you know, and it, and it wants to radiate a lot of that out to consumers. And you know, yep, everyone yep, wants a lot to of happy, see, clappy, and yeah, yeah, everything's awesome. Yep. Um, but whilst you know, if if you read mainstream and beer media, everything is awesome. Everything is great. You know, brewers are having a great time. Their beers are you know doing well. There are no problems. But that's not the reflection of the conversations that we have privately with brewers. Um, you know, when you when you're sort of talking about them, no one wants to project that. No one wants to go in. So you know, a lot that we say isn't actually going well. You know, brewer X said this or brewer Y said this because a lot of people don't want to put their name to observations, and so we distill some of those around. But you know, particularly after last year when a lot of brewers said that, you know, they've got production issues in terms of the pivot to packaging has meant when they reopened, they've struggled to have, you know, enough volume, which is a great thing to have. But that also brings on a lot of other pressures for brewers if they need to, you know, raise capital for new stainless or production facilities or sales reps and things like that. And I hear a lot of breweries that are making a lot of beer and moving a lot of beer, but still have concerns about um, profitability and new breweries cropping up and you know there's a lot of anxiety and unease out there and um, you know I I, um, last year we saw Black Hops take over Semi-Pro which I see as a smaller version of 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 this same thing you know it was a a convenient thing for Black Hops to, to, to move in but um, and Semi Pro was a great brewery, great local, much loved, and things like that. But you just got the feeling that there were the challenges of, you know, the the. the We've also got day it. jobs, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, you know, I, I just sort of think, you know, it, it's one of the things that when we talk to brewers, you know, anyone that's aspiring to be a brewer, I don't think that story gets out there. Um, nearly enough to make people stop and think, well, how will I be different? And yes, while you say that you're the 500th brewery and the industry can support, you know, you you look at the US and you look at other countries, but you're the 500th. But don't forget that one day you're going to be the, you know, one of 600. Um, Yeah, and by the time you open, there's 750. Yeah, well, and, and, you know, um, two birds, you know, maybe I'm picking a number out of my hat, but, you know, maybe when they started, they were brewery 201, now their brewery, you know, they're one brewery of 600. And being number 201 doesn't give you any um, priority in the marketplace. Um, it, it gave you the chance to establish a brand with less clutter, but the um, market is incredibly cluttered. Yeah, exactly. So it is a, it's a, it's something of a cautionary tale. Now, but, but it, just on the um, Stone and Wood um, thing, very exciting to see, you know, that's – 40 million litres is the mm-hmm. size that they're making, potential to grow to 80 million. Put that into perspective, that's Cooper's size. Um, so, you know, um, yeah. So it, it, it's very, very exciting. Um, and in, in, in the chat, I didn't get to speak to Jamie about the um, contract issue last year or anything like that because we were really focused on um, th- this week's announcement. But, uh, yeah, no, have a listen to the, the, the podcast because there's some interesting stuff. And potentially um, an IPO. Um, you know, yeah, I caught that little line. I was like, "Oh, and potential," and I was like, "Excuse me, <laughs> oh, another one." Um, so that should be good. But speaking of speaking of IPOs, speaking of IPOs, <laughs> speaking of listed businesses, the gift that just that keeps we on love getting. to have a chat about. Get, get your bingo cards out, guys. <laughs> it's your first one of the year. Uh, Bruce China deal collapses. 
to the surprise of no one. That was that was me. That was Matt didn't put that in there. Sorry. Uh, beleaguered ASX listed brewery Brews Future hangs in the balance, with the company announcing the collapse of its vaunted take or pay deal with a Chinese distributor. The company today advised the ASX that it had terminated the deal because its Chinese distributor, Beijing Jiha, has failed to make royalty payments under the agreement. Ouch. Now, <laughs> just because <sighs> you know, I, I don't have a life. Last week, <laughs> technically on holidays, but when the, the announcement came through, that was, a, as Claire said, a surprise to nobody. <laughs> um, I actually sat down, and it was something that Claire and I had started to do, or Claire had started to do, and we'd sort of talked about, but... I actually spent three full days last week reading through every post that Brew has made to the ASX, summarising it, and I'll be publishing that this week. And, you know, part of me has made light of the fact that, you know, Brew is a joke and has been widely received as a joke. Um, But when you actually go through their, their filings, yes, they've made these ridiculously... Um, grand announcements about the world's greenest brewery, $100 million million brewery and things like that. But when you actually go through their sales data, so just before they listed, they announced a Chinese, a non-exclusive Chinese distribution arrangement and then a Chinese production arrangement um, with a a, a beer producer over there. and when you go through their subsequent accounts, you could see, you know, quarterly payments of three, four hundred thousand um, dollars listed under China. Um, now, when they signed this take or pay deal in 2018, that was, um, you know, supposedly going to give them 120 million dollars in December. They were meant to get a 20 million dollar payment, and it was take or pay, which meant that they were going to be paid no matter how much they sold. Mm. Um, which again was just. Fairy tales, you know, that's Hansel and Gretel stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But almost 12 months before the first payment was due, they stopped reporting any costs for for beer production in China. So there was absolutely no way they were selling, you know, um, any beer, um, you know, over there because they, they can't now say, well, look, hold on, these guys haven't paid us. Everyone knows the difficulty of dealing with China. Everyone knows law enforcement and you know, pursuing contracts and things like that if they don't want to pay is a challenge. And in fact, Brew specified that in their prospectus. So they knew this. But most importantly, um, they didn't, they haven't been paying for beer production in China. So they knew that beer wasn't selling. Um, and they've not disclosed that. They've not disclosed that their production deal had fallen through or any of the things that continuous you know they're very good at you know asking for a trading halt whenever they've got some dodgy um, distribution or they're just announcing a contract um, production thing in Australia but not so good on announcing when their dealings fall through so uh, yeah so we've got some questions that are going to be sort of forwarded to the ASX uh, around you know what is the duty of disclosure because it, at least on their um, financials they haven't been producing beer in China, so ergo, they haven't been able to sell beer in China either. Mm-hmm. Now, the line that sort of got me in this one was that the fu- their fu- its future hangs in the balance. Do you think that then that this is really going to be? Yeah. Do you think this is going to be the nail in their coffin? Then do you th- like? I thought, nah, Bruce just limped on for years. Like, why would, it, would this be any? Different? It must be the world's biggest 
business coffin. <laughs> how many nails? Well, when do we this get to the it. final one? Well, all of their revenue comes from, you know, so they they lod, so they launched on the ASX in twenty sixteen um, with six hundred and seventy million shares or something like that, of which. Kent Grogan kept 67%. A couple of the other founders or early investors had some, and then they sold off, you know, 100 million uh, shares and raised $10 million. Uh, or, you know, 50 Off the top of your head, what were they worth? And sold uh, for launch. 20 cents each and well, raised $10 million. So I, I think, you know, that valued the company at over $100 million. Yeah, like it was 10%. or something like that, yeah. Um, but, and they bought the Mildura Brewery um, for over a million dollars. Um, which, incidentally, they don't own the land that the Mildura Brewery um, is on because, as I discovered, Kent Grogan and the other shareholder bought it themselves with a, a loan from Brew. They oh bought the land. <laughs> and so so Brew is paying um, the, the, the owner's um, uh, you know, rent um, for, 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 for the brewery. So even when Brew sells off... Out of the um, money they're Jura, not getting from not selling any beer, how does which that work? To, but so, so they operate two venues. They're not made, they, They've had losses on those venues um, since they had them. They've recently sold Sorrento, the lease to Sorrento that they didn't own. They've still got Mildura. Mildura's producing a loss. Um, they're not even even under their contract brewing arrangements um, that they've or the, the the beer that they've been selling. Their beer production tends to cost them more than the money that they're generating from sales um, for that. Um, and the only reason the business is still afloat is because they keep creating shares. They issue new shares, which dilutes the original equity in, in the business. Um, so, look, I mean, it's... I. I'm not a financial person. I don't deal in the stock markets. Um, on one level, this is what businesses do. But at the end of the day, the business has never turned a profit from its ordinary course of business. Um, and margins are so thin on the beer industry, even on premium margins. And brewer making beer that, I think when I, I calculated, you know, there's a bit of um, assumption here because I think they revealed that they'd paid CUB, and, and I'm, don't quote me on the figures, but the, the, the essential gist is, is correct. They paid CUB last quarter $800,000, and I think you know, it was for 36,000 cartons of beer. And when you did the calculation, like the that, carton yeah, price was like $14 a carton. They were paying CUB for production. Excise on you know nine litres of 4.2% beer was around about $14. So the production cost is $28 a carton. They're selling it. It's being sold at retail through these um, th- this uh, bottle shop in Bundaberg for thirty seven ninety nine or thirty seven ninety nine a carton, um, and then thirty nine ninety nine. Thirty nine ninety nine. Yeah. So the retailer and brew are between them making you know maybe ten dollars a carton um, on beer. Now when you look at you know, the, less, the, less transport costs, presumably. Well, that, that's well. It, it's coming from Brisbane, so it, you, you've got transport, you've got all of that sort of stuff. But when you look at the costs of running the, I mean, Kent's on two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year or two hundred sixty thousand dollars a year. <laughs> that's a lot of beer that you need. To, you know, at, at that margin, in five dollars divided by two hundred sixty thousand, I'll tell you how many cartons <laughs> of beer you need to sell just to pay his wages, let alone any other business cost. Yeah. Um, and you know, it just doesn't. 
it, it just defies logic that this is actually a viable operating business. So we're doing to take any bets on <laughs> D-Day, <laughs> it's going to happen. Well, <laughs> their, their um, next set of figures is due in January. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, look, again, like you can make fun of it um, on one level because it is just such a joke. Mm-hmm. But it, it's a joke that, you know, the ne- you know if, if Stone and Wood want to go out to market, you know, potentially there isn't the same appetite for investment in a legitimate profitable business as it, you know, I'd, I, I think that's a long bow to draw, but it does undermine confidence in the brewing industry. It undermines, you know, people have lost their money. And if, if you look at a couple of the um, um, share discussion boards that are like, you know, beer advocate type boards for, for investors, a lot of people have, you know, lost money. Um, and, you know, that's bad. Correct. Exactly. Um, now, if you're a brewery, Matt, I would be thinking, and you want to, you know, um, I guess, create bigger, better margins by becoming more efficient. I reckon you could probably speak to Scar Fabricating. Um, support for this episode does come from Scar Fabricating. I should just point out before I start this uh, cold read that will just sound seamless and not <laughs> anything like an ad. But Scar Fabricating uh, builds reliable automated packaging line equipment that is handcrafted. Um, and that just makes life easier for brewers and their production teams. If you're a brewer and you're looking for a, the best way to get your product out of your tap room and into the hands of your customers, not punters, Scarfab has you covered. With a wide range of depelletizers, custom conveyance, date coating, rinsing and drying systems, and more. Scarfab specialises in helping breweries of all sizes to get their beer from keg to can. To find out more about how Scarfab can help you sell more beer, visit www.scarfabricating.com today. That's S-K-A-fabricating.com to get started today. Um, Speaking of getting started, or more accurately, the opposite of getting started, Claire. (laughs) uh, Um, Yes, so this Exactly, well done. And another slightly questionable business practice uh business brew partners closes so this week um matt wrote this one uh brisbane brew partners the self-described 15 million dollar incubator brewery for up-and-coming brewers closed quietly over christmas without having brewed a beer the business which since july 2019 had been operating as a hotel and music venue served its last drinks on the 22nd december The business initially said it would be closed until January. Since closing, all social media accounts associated with the business and its website appear to have been deleted, as well as the LinkedIn profile of the developer, Sean Lockwood. Ooh, this one's a good one. And I was reading back through all the... Because this was pre my arrival at Brews News. (laughs) And I was looking back through them thinking, oh my God, I can't believe this. No wonder Matt (laughs) got onto this one. And, and this is where I sort of do worry that, you know, like you're, you're the blackbird of unhappiness because, you know, he they, they announced the, the, this grandiose plan to be an incubator and things like that. And, and, you know, it was published, you know, if you look at, you know, Beer and Brewer, you know, all, all of the, the trade media, the local media, all of these, everyone just publishes, isn't this awesome that there's going to be this facility? But when you stop and think, well, what are the mechanics of actually running this facility the way that you say it. You know, what, you know, yeah, what's it the story worked? behind it? And and also, who is the person that's the, the proponent behind it? Um, because you speak to brewers, and brewers don't want someone coming in and just driving their stainless because things break. And, you know, and then he was talking about people coming in and brewing on his, on his gear, and... There was so it was going to be when we say incubator, and, and you know, I'm aware that we've just spoken about fixation, whose mm. incubator brew is completely different to this. Um, but the idea was that it was a 15 million dollar 
um, f- uh, facility incorporating... Now, $15 uh, million dollar brewery is you know, much more extravagant than even the brewery that we saw. Um, you know, like, Pete, you and I have been there. That wasn't $15 million. I didn't say $15 million bucks. No. No. Worth of worth of kit, certainly, and um, and, and, and so I, you know, it, it's one of those unfortunate things in our industry. Is there are a lot of people who, you know, mainstream media who write that don't know the industry, don't speak to brewers, and so when they're presented with something, they just take it as face value and they don't question it. And I even saw that, and they're the things that always make me worried when you know everyone's just sort of jumping on board something without going, hold on, you know. If the emperor is really nicely dressed, how come I can see his underwear, kind of thing, you know? And you know, no you one claimed that up. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well, you know, as you said, we didn't want Joe uh, having Family to work friendly. too hard, but you know, and and then even more so when you know, and so there was something that was just always a little bit, um, you know, this seems too good to be true. Um, that. And then when you went looking into the background, you know, the the guy who was um, the proponent for it, the developer, um, was talking a big game in terms of 30 years of, you know, investment banking. You know, he's sort of set up a chain of coffee shops in southern England. And you go, oh, okay, this will be interesting. I'll sort of look and see what else he's done. No background. Um, no, you know, there's there's nothing you can find on him. And, and didn't he also do some stuff in QA and some other things? You can say, um, you know. How old is this man? He's my age. <laughs> and I'm right, sort of okay. thinking, well, 30 years in investment banking <laughs> at my age, um, you know, and... Yeah, so you're sort of thinking, well, it, you know, th- there's there's a bit of PT Barnum in anyone who's successful in business, and you you've you've got a narrative and you've got a tale, but you've got to talk a good game. Mm-hmm. You've got to talk a good game, but then and then it was suddenly when the second media release came out a couple of months later, talking about a five million dollar investment fund, and you know I picked up the phone and said, oh mate, when you're sort of saying investment fund, you're know, like you're actually going to be investing in breweries or giving them cash? Oh no 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 no, what we're going to do is we're going to give them access to our facilities. I'm going well. Hold on, that's not. Isn't that part of the fifteen million? Well, well, yeah. well that's not a that, that's not an investment fund. Them to come yeah, to like use a, your an investment <laughs> fund is when you've actually got money, not service in kind or giving them a you know letting them pre use your things and they pay you back later or things like yeah. that. And you know, and then you know, and that was when things started to unravel. And he started calling me out and he blocked me on social. So he, oh. you know, he blocked me on social media and so you know um, Facebook. So you just couldn't again just didn't want um, anything and it turns out that once it closed just uh, before Christmas deleted um, you know the accounts everything was deleted the website's gone social media is gone even his personal um, LinkedIn account is gone which again you know would explain why when I was researching again like wasn't researching to him just interested as I do with everyone that I interview to um, you know try and understand their, their background but there was no um, presence before the, the 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 brewing operation that he wanted to set up. Um, you know, and uh, you know, it, it, it just yeah. So look, I, I I don't know what it means. Not casting any aspersions, but it did seem too good to be true. Um, so um, is the joint now for sale or for lease or for? Well, he's been selling it but again, <laughs> and 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 I've sort of had to rely on other people to, uh, to to tell me about this because I'm completely blocked from um, social media. So <laughs> he doesn't exist. Point of pride, well, <laughs> it, it would seem so. But um, in May last year, he set up um, a social media group for, you know, professional brewers marketplace. 
um, that was a marketplace for all of his brewing equipment. That you know, Pete, when you and I were there um, last January, last February, the stuff um, wasn't even plugged in. It was stuff, like, it never fired a shot. It was kind of like hanging tapestries around plumbed. the venue, wasn't it? Yeah, like it was just <laughs> yeah. a lot of shiny stainless <laughs> steel. How do you how do you get how do you get the um, the wort from the mash tun? Because like, it's certainly not plumbed in. Nothing's um, actually yeah. plumbed in. It was there for aesthetics. Um, ben, it was being sold off since May last year. Um, there was a change of venue to Keg and Cork or um, something. So it went from Brisbane Brewhouse to Keg and Cork, but that never really took. And then, yeah. Um, and the, the the interesting thing was on the 22nd of December, he posted to the Brisbane Beer Barons, come in, you know, we want to make sure we've got fresh beer in January. Um, everyone come in and, uh, you know, we'll fill, we'll even fill corny kegs from our taps. Um you know, uh, so he was sort of go- cashing in on all of the beer, but the the, the very clear message was: we're closed um, till January. Uh, you know, come in, we'll we'll fill your growlers and your corny kegs from tap, basically emptying the lines. So you've got free beer in January. So on the twenty second, talking about, yep, we were doing this, and then the twenty third, based on the internet records I've seen for property listings, the property was listed on the twenty third of December. So um, you know that. You know, again, that sort of paints a picture of someone who, you know, wants to say, hey, guys, we're closing, um, come and buy the beer. It's, you know, we're going to be back in January, but we just want, you know, fresh beer on in, in, in the line. So, you know, just part of that, that, that storytelling. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, there we go. Do you know what's annoying about stuff like this, though? It's not illegal to say stuff like this. Like, it's not, like with brew, you, you can say that you have this big investment deal. You could say that you have well, a... Well, it is illegal if you say it to the stock exchange, and that's the thing. It's not illegal. But if you tell a journalist and they publish it, you know, they publish your hyped story without questioning it Mm. um then you know there is nothing illegal even if people rely on it there was always something about the business i'll hype it up um and you know but to to, to what the the promise never quite matched the product well it was never backed up yeah but look he's got a very he had a long um track record or you know he developed childcare centers seemingly successfully Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, on, on everything that you looked into, he did have a track record of, you know, successfully building, you know, he's done a number of property developments, he's done a number of childcare developments, and this seemed to be just another development he was doing, but it, it that's not the story. He's not sort of saying, look, I'm developing this great idea, and even when you look at the Facebook comments, people love the venue, uh-huh. you know, announcing the closure, people were unhappy about it, but that wasn't the story he was telling, and you always wonder... Well, why do you need to, you know, when you're talking about a barbecue, be whispering people's ear the the sizzle, you know, making the sizzle sound when you know the, the barbecue is inviting enough. Yeah. And the barbecue just, wasn't actually there, there's another connected to the gas for you. <laughs> yep, there you go. <laughs> now, uh, moving on, uh, not suggesting that they're uh, cutting and running, but it certainly looks a little bit like they're cutting and running. Now, speaking of cutting and running, Claire, <laughs> yes, a new indeed. contributor was this week cutting your lunch and running a story about our third favourite acronym, uh, ABAC. Oh, yes, the lovely Daniel Ridd. Um, he held the fort for me on ABAC while I was away. Um, and he wrote this one for us um, last week, I believe. Uh, ABAC considers VB Volleys complaint. Pete, you'll you'll remember the VB Volleys. We had a chuckle about them a few weeks ago, back in November, I think. Cool um, shoes ever. Yes. <laughs> uh, collaboration between VB and Volley Shoes has been the subject of a recent complaint to ABAC. 
with the panel upholding a single aspect of the complaint. The complaint to ABAC argued that the branded shoes promote alcohol, expose underage children and glorify alcohol consumption. It also suggested that the, sho- the branded shoes is a marketing strategy to lure the purchase of their shoes and promotes drinking. ABAC noted that while the VB branded volley products may not have been themselves strongly appealing to minors, marketing communications containing images of the products need also to meet the code standards, finding that one particular image um, of skateboarding was different to the rest of it. Um, So there you go, everyone. Honestly, I didn't... You know, you see some things in the news and you're like, yeah, that's going to... We're going to see that soon on ABAC. I didn't... didn't even occur to me that that would Mm. be an issue. Is the idea that you, if you show a Dunlop volley that's got a VB thing on it, you need to put uh, a warning about drinking or no, no. 18s only? Or it's the kids wear shoes and shoes shouldn't Look, have alcohol. If running, you're going it? to put them on Grosby Velcro, like do, do they still exist? What one of the arguments that CB made was that it was only adult sizes. You know that it's not um, that they're not in target any sections. But that does raise the possibility. Kids back to school shoes. Yeah, but that does raise the possibility. And every now and then you see someone you know in social media post their child, their baby in a you know like Carlton draft onesie. Um, you know, <laughs> and it, it does leave that open. I guess that you know you can't mm. put. Um, beer branding on children's sized or children's targeted clothes. It was interesting to see the the, the criticism that ABAC got again, um, you know, as if they are the problem. Um, but I was sent a pair of size 12 Dunlop volleys um, and uh, my partner's 16 year old son saw them and thought they were the coolest thing he'd ever seen. So I gave them to him. And his mates all think they're the coolest thing because he's a he does skateboarding. Um, yeah, no, does scootering. Sorry, I'm not skateboarding. Um, but they think it's the coolest thing he's seen, and and that was actually a real pause for thought moment for me. Thinking, well, actually, these things are cool for a 16 year old kid. But then when I discussed it with his mum, you know, she says oh, it's really not going to make him encourage him to drink, but it will make him more, you know open to the VB brand, um, you know, it doesn't Which make Which makes the whole purpose cool. of marketing, isn't it? It's not, yeah, you're not, not going to create a, a, a drinker by putting a VB logo on a pair of shoes. Yeah, but, but you might, if they, if they do bit. decide, I'm going to, I'm going to drink beer, you know, what's the first one that pops them up? Well, VB. Yeah. I don't know well, why it troubles you. Well played Kids them. always want to be older than they are. That's, well, Kids that's. always want to be older and, and they will look at that and think, even uh, if they're like, we were saying the driving is cool, yeah, drinking yeah. is cool. All this stuff, yeah. it's cool because you're an adult and you can't do it when you're a kid. Like, this, you can't, you, there's no way that they could remove that. Mm. No way that this is going to help or hinder change That's or change that opinion. No, thank, thank you for salving no my, my, my conscience and my guilt. You're perfectly oh. acceptable on that one. But it, but it, it just hi- does highlight, you know, the, the complexities involved in this. Um, and, you know, and, and I look, I, I think that ABAC does a really good job of getting it right. You know, they. They are always going to find things that upset people who are marketing beer, who want their marketing efforts to be completely untrammeled by regulation. But they're also upsetting the the people who want all alcohol advertising to be banned and alcohol in plain packaging. And it's trying to find that fair middle ground is is a very hard thing. And I think ABAC is a fair. Fair, fair, fair. Sorry, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that was an interesting one. Although I do question the skateboarding thing because my partner's a avid skateboarder at thirty-one, nearly. Does he week. wear a helmet? 
Does he bollocks wear a helmet? Well, would you want him out <laughs> skateboarding, doing some of? And I've seen him; he's he's pretty talented. But like would you want him out doing it after two or three beers if he's I, not wearing a helmet? I've got no comment on that. <laughs> I wouldn't want it. But I'm sure yeah. it happens. <laughs> <laughs> um, anywho, there we go. I wonder, I wonder if there's any opportunity for like reverse marketing. Like, would you? Would we just would? It'd be okay because we, we've seen in the past where people have um, alluded to a, uh, a proprietary product, be it corn, you know, a breakfast cereal or, or that sort of thing. But would some brands want their, for example, would you would you end up getting Dunlop Volley on, you know, on a incorporated into a into a beer? Would that be okay? How do you mean? How would that well, like happen? instead of instead of putting VB on your Dunlop Volley, putting oh, put Dunlop on Volley beer. on your beer. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure that reverse way would be fine. It was just one of these things I was yeah. just kind of thinking of for no other reason than it leads me nicely into if you did have to get <laughs> redone. Um, Relling's label stickers and packaging, and we welcome them back in 2021. Um, thank you very much for your support. Um, not only able to supply labels for your cans or your bottles, but they can also supply printed or blank cartons, can trays, tap decals, barcodes, shrink sleeves, anything you want to put Dunlop on, they can they can do. Um already applied to empty beer cans and they're ready for filling. Uh, the guys often get asked where would the brewery buy a, sh- a shrink sleeving machine? I've got no room. You know, I, I, I can't do this thing. You know, that's not, don't, don't worry about that. The cans come to your door palletized and ready to fill. Nothing more to do. Do you hear that? Nothing more to do. Uh, give the guys at Rellings Label Stickers and Packaging a call on 1300 852 235 to discuss further. Uh, Claire, hit us with one more story. Um, I was going to say, do you guys want to discuss NZ Hops? This was a little while ago. Uh, well, the, the story was there, yeah, like yeah. a terrible freak. Um, yeah, it was awful, wasn't it? As Especially if, if 2020 wasn't quite finished. <laughs> exactly. It's a tish storm. Um, <laughs> will give us an actual hailstorm. I know. New Zealand Hops is hopeful that the damage inflicted by a freak hailstorm last week will not leave brewers empty-handed this year. A Boxing Day hailstorm shredded the leaves off, of, off the bine on a number of farms in the Nelson area, meaning the hops had no chance to keep growing and produce flowers. NZ Hops Chief Exec Craig Orr says his organisation is working out how the damage will affect the forecast crop yield, but remains hopeful that brewers will get the bulk of what they need in 2021. Oh my God, the poor bloody hop growers. Just <laughs> just what they need. Just what they need. Just and I was speaking a bit to, of insult to injury. Exactly. And I was speaking to Ryefield, actually, because it's been a year since they got... Um, fires, yeah. Yeah, since they... Uh, well, they were hit really hard by the fires and the drought and everything. And they've just spent all year sort of... Um, just basically trying to protect against something like that ever happening again. But Jade McManus from Ryefield was like, well, because I mentioned the NC Hops thing to her, and she was like, well, what can you do? Like, you can't protect against hail. You can't mm. protect against fire. Like, it, if they happen, they happen. You just have to suck it up. And, oh, I, f- I feel for them. I feel for them. Yeah, yeah. And we and we do hope, yeah. yeah. And, and look, obviously, it, uh, down the line, it affects, um, you know, from the brewer's well, it affects the drinkers, then back to the brewers, but also people like, you know, the, the cry malts, the Yakima Chief hops, the uh, Hop Products Australia uh, that may have, I guess, counted on access to um, to some of those. But with every, you know, there's opportunity as well. So perhaps some uh, lesser loved hop varieties um, come onto the market or, I don't know, we um, yeah, get creative. everyone has to produce sours this year because, you know, we won't be able to make hoppy ones. I'm, and, right. um, just I'm on, okay with just that. On, just on, how, does, how does somebody with a Yorkshire heritage and an Australian heritage mm-hmm. um, then not go NZ? 
How, how did you Americanize the the Z? I'm not sure. Oh, I did live in Canada for a bit, so I've got the odd American thing going on. <laughs> oh, I thought Canadia. Um, Canadia. Z Do they Z? I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm I reckon not, you're making I was, that I was up. Very like you're trying to dig yourself out of a I'm hole. I'm trying to dig myself. I'm just making it up. I don't. I'm. I've just listened to too much American culture. Watched too many <laughs> US TV shows. <laughs> but beautifully done as your uh, debut as the uh, the Bruce oh. Newsweek newsreader. Thank, <laughs> Thank you very you much, Burnett. Uh, back to you in the newsroom, Matt Kierkegaard. And now with sport. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and now uh, it's mailbag. Our first of the year. Uh, don't forget, you can review us on iTunes. Um, you can send us in an email. Any any form of communication, we keep an eye on, and we pick out some of the best, and we uh, put that into the big barrel, and we uh, will pull one out. And uh, that lucky person or persons um, will receive not only well, everyone gets a dead blue bakes cookie, or do they, Matt? They got it. They got to be. Yeah, no, 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 we, we've, we've still got, got some, and we've don't, don't oh, we forget, we've got the Hop Valley H two O hop water, which I, I did see uh, a few people inquiring about where they could get it. Ooh. Yeah, no, look, I'm write us in a letter. Yep, no, no, write us in a letter, um, and we will send you some hop water because it is cracking. Um, I, I, I'm just very quiet. I don't want to make a big thing of it, but you know, I've really. Um, not quite gone completely dry January, but uh, you know, I've sort of particularly given I was working at Gabs, but um, have very much uh, moderated my intake, and I've been loving drinking the hot water. I've um, I, I, I took a trip out to um, for a meeting um, out at Brewdog, and unfortunately they were out of their um, alcohol-free beer. But I ran into Calvin. Um, G'day, Calvin, who's a regular listener, um, and. You mentioned that oh, I was disappointed you didn't have your, your alcohol-free beer here. And uh, fortunately, they just got a shipment in from America. Um, and so he, he sent me off and uh, I tried them. And, you know, again, all, all due respect, they're really good versions of alcohol-free beer. I think it's as good as alcohol-free beer could be. They've really looked at getting flavour into the, the, the variety of um, different beers. But I just find that if I'm going to drink a beer, like that they the, the, the alcohol-free beers just end up being a little bit sweet for me um, and leave me feeling like I've finished a soft drink. Um, yeah. As opposed I, I, Yeah. And I think we discussed this last year, but for me, I, I tried quite a few just to sort of see. And the ones that worked well were the ones where it was the first beer of the afternoon, stinking hot day, just come in from gardening or working in the shed or whatever it might be. Um, that one is acceptable. Uh, and you'd almost say, yeah, don't miss the alcohol. But at any other time, yeah, I just... We've got a bit of work to do. Yeah. But, but th- th- there's a market there. But anyway, no look criticism because they're beautifully well made. But, um, yeah, yeah exactly. so the, but the hot water, just been smashing that. And Excellent. Uh, I, I can say smashing that without sort of encouraging That's uh, right. Exactly. And uh, Yeti still looking after us uh, this year again, Matt, with the Beer is Conversation gifts for our guests. Yes, yes. You, actually, you reminded me. I forgot to uh, to mention it because yesterday caught me on, on the hop, so to speak, hey. um, with, with, with the podcast. So, we'll, uh, so Jane and uh, Jamie will be getting a uh, Yeti Rambler mug. Excellent. Um, now, you won't be getting uh, alcohol-free beer uh, from our very good friends at Beer Cartel, but our letter of the week, um, we'll get a mixed six-pack thanks to Beer Cartel, and we do thank them again for uh, all of their support. And welcome back again this year. Uh, Claire, a couple of letters, and then I've got one to, to add in. Ooh, lovely. Okay. Uh, yes, yeah, so Bruce Draper on the Facebook business, pa- Ooh, business page, eh? Uh, RE Two Birds. <laughs> Two birds, one stone. Nice. Congratulations to the whole party. Oh, I see what he did there. I was, oh, I was I'm waiting glad for I didn't, I'm glad yeah. I didn't put that in the headlines. I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. It did occur to me and I was like, no, that's not happening. Um, second up is Nick Gottschalk 
I'm not big, Bolter's biggest fan, but I do like that they don't use Mick Fanning to sell beer or get votes in this case. Also, I have no idea who Dan is, and that's in relation to some Brick Lane adverts. Yeah, Brick Lane, Brick Lane have made no secret of um, utilising um, whether it be Dan Carter, who, for those playing along at home, uh, ex-All Blacks rugby union captain yeah. and, um, and, a, and, a, and a founding investor in Brick Lane, but they've also Very used Billy Slater, they've used Mick Malloy and that sort of thing, and then they've redone them um, to, to remind people that the uh, Gab's Hottest 100 uh, voting is open. <laughs> okay. So good that we were able to clear that up. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, oh, I've got one more. I've got one more. Um, Adam Gall in the Facebook group, interesting development, non-alcoholic spritzes. So it's a <laughs> seltzer or perhaps a soft drink. I think it's been done already. <laughs> okay. Yes, I think you might find seltzer, If you've got a soft fruit drink? seltzer that doesn't have alcohol in, isn't that just soft drink? Yeah, yeah surely. <laughs> Look, a hard seltzer is an alcoholic soft drink. So a non-hard seltzer is just soft drink. <laughs> Remembering that seltzer is uh, carbonated water. Isn't it? Yes. yes. So the, the original seltzer, and Fruit I don't know where the word comes from. Water. Presumably, it's a, an Austrian word or a German word of, of, of German heritage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, spritz, seltz, I don't know, something like that. But it's it, it was like um, in Three Stooges or Marx Brothers, that sort of thing. It was you know the the big canister, and you'd squirt it in some and in someone's mouth, and the water would come out their ears and that sort of thing. But that was a seltzer. <laughs> Wasn't it? It was just basically like soda stream today. Carbonated yeah. water. That's what. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. There we go. Now I've got one for you guys and for our listeners. Uh, a a listener who has contacted me before Christmas, and I said, "Look, do you mind if I hold it off until we can come back in the new year and and maybe get some expert advice on it?" Uh, this is from uh, Jimmy Kreckelberg, who's out in out Gippsland Way, starting up a, a new brewery, and um, reached out to me for a bit of advice. Thanks for getting back to me. Uh, I'm in the process of starting a brewery in my hometown in Gippsland. It's been a long time in the making, but I'm nearly there now with uh, most of the equipment on site. Good progress being made. Tipped quite a bit of money and time into the branding and have had the name trademarked. Now, since I first had this name trademarked, there's been another beer brand with a similar trademark name released. I know I have some reservations now as to whether this will be the right path to go down. Will there be a conflict with the names, how the brewery will be perceived from the beer industry, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, Or maybe am I just reading too much into it? I had a lot of different opinions on this and which direction I should take. So I'd really appreciate your opinion on this one. Uh, Value your opinions and how you approach different subjects. Um, And I know that he knows that uh, dabbled in it around trademarking between brands and beers and, and that sort of thing. Any help, advice, opinion would be greatly appreciated. Uh, so then I got back to, to Jimmy and he replied, because he didn't give me any details at first. Mm. So the brewery name is or slash was Local Beer Company. Now it's spelled L-O-K-A-A-L, beer. Now I don't know if it's a typo, but he's got three E's in beer. So Local <laughs> Beer Co. I don't know if that's to match the, the double A. Um, there's a whole backstory, but the name basically, as you would imagine from somebody called Krekelberg, um, there's a Dutch translation of the word local. Yeah. Um, and Claire wrote about the local beer company last year because it was one of those things that it's a um, nomad operation um, or a contract operation. Um, yeah. Where they're celebrating local, so how, how can it be local? And yeah, mm-hmm. I, it would, without disappearing down the rabbit hole of, yeah, sort yeah. of this whole thing of naming contract brewed beers or contract brewed out of the suburb that they're named after, 
and will never be brewed in, <laughs> which I think is problematic. I also did a, it's on Brewery Pro actually, um, a rundown of, you know, the basics when you're coming up with. That was um, with James, James Omond, Omond. Um, which I will send to you, Pete, and you can send on if you wish, um, just because it gives a really good, of the basics of coming up with a name that you could yep. tra- trademark. And James, of course, James Omond was the first person I thought of, but I thought rather yeah. than uh, hit him up, I'll just sort of uh, put this out to the mm. to the broader uh, Bruce News community and for their opinions and that sort of thing. So it. just so just to cover off, um, so now. Uh, local a uh, local beer has changed its name to Local Brewing Co. Is that? Yep, that's correct. <laughs> yes. That's why they, they yeah. And they've try they're trying to trademark it, but I haven't caught up on where that is in the trademarking process yet. But they have tried to yeah, register it. Yeah. So, so, far. so Jimmy's looking at at, um, at opening his opening date. He's aiming for sort of March April mm-hmm. this year, um, but he's kind of just as you can imagine a little bit stuck now. For mm-hmm. so I, I looked at it first and I thought, no, that's great because. Even without knowing Jimmy, I, I, you know, like if you didn't know his surname was mm-hmm. was Krekelberg, Local Beer Co. looks like you know it, it looks different enough. Yeah, the only thing is that was my gut feel that in that article. James he mentioned that um, the IP, the trademark people, do take into consideration like um, other language versions of words, especially ah. when they're so similar to what. They already but are it, in English. There's another Bruise News podcast um, I found. So, like, I'm not the guy. And, and you know, 10 years ago um, or you know, 12 years ago when I first thought of the idea of the Bruise News, it seemed like it, there was no one else doing it. It seemed like a good idea. Anything that is a good, obvious idea has probably mm-hmm. been thought of. Um, <laughs> but even, uh, like, I remember when Beer Cartel, um, who sponsored the podcast, um, you know, they'd been trading for that name and then another bottle shop, went online and called themselves Craft Cartel. Craft Cartel, um, oh, yeah. And, but, you know, couldn't get any, you know, it, you, you basically rely on people to, um, I won't say do the right thing because that's not what it is, but rely on people to stay clear of your space and not mm-hmm. sort of, uh, you know, um, step into it. And, and it happens. And, you know, like the number of times I've been looking for beers online um, and Craft Cartel has been the first ad that comes up you know they've obviously paid for yeah, the ad words even if you type in beer and unless up. you've unless you look really close mm-hmm. um when, when you go to the website it's very easy to make the mistake so yeah look i mean it, trademarks are one of those things that it's very much a specialty area i would speak to james omond Definitely. um or uh, you know somebody who specializes in it to get some good advice um because when we tried to the, the only thing that i've ever trademarked pete was um craft beer alley um, oh. when we, because uh, we had that nice little uh, thing at the exhibition. Yeah. Um, and James said, look, you'll have to probably do the name, the the design mm-hmm. and the, the, the thing logo, associated yeah. with the, the logo with it rather than just the names because whilst no one else is trading with that now, there may be a generic form of words that, it, it. that it's descriptive. And he said also to stay away from um, naming anything to do with your industry, you know, like the mash... Hop on brewery Bash. tours um, is, is yep. a great example. Malt shovel, any of that kind of stuff. Can mm. They're obviously fine to use, but malt don't expect to trade. Malt brewing became Revel because yeah. they, there was the malt shed brewing. Yep. Yep. Well, um, malt shed. And then malt yeah. brewing and malt shovel mm-hmm. were worried. And as I said, look, we probably can't enforce our trademark, mm-hmm. but you're probably just going to create confusion for your own brand. That's exactly it, yeah. So, And he also said stay away from naming after, like, 
anything in your locality, suburb, town, anything like that. Because again, that's generic enough that somebody else could take that and it not be them trying to infringe on your trademark. They could have just come up yeah, with it on their yeah. own. And look, the first thing I thought uh, with with Jimmy's conundrum is that could you put in, I don't, and I don't know if the word for the in Dutch is de, but, you know, de local, de local beer co. Or Delightful. Delicious. Mm. De lovely. I think that goes into generic, to be honest. Um, and also a song lyrics, but you're probably too young to listen. Yes, yeah. that's right. That's right. That's where I thought you were going, man. Speaking <laughs> of uh, going, healthy. we must. Uh, that's the that's episode three hundred one, done and dusted. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what. Must to start uh, the year on a yeah. like, to finish the year on a round number and start the year. So we should be around about three fifty by the end of this year. Ooh, yeah, nice. yeah. All things being equal. Um, I hope we all enjoyed our break. Um, I hope you guys are listening, have enjoyed your break or are still having one and that you're uh, listening to this and walking along the beach and hopefully we've given you enough. And appreciating that we get cut our holidays short to do this That's for right. you. We, we do in. this for you. Exactly. <laughs> it's not for us. Reason. It's the only reason. To do it. We also do it uh, with um, the support uh, and loyalty of Cryer Malt, of Relling's Label Stickers and Packaging and Beer Cartel and Scar Fabricating, who we welcome aboard. And Yeti, everything we do is made possible by all of our partners. Um, That's so, right. Yeah, and it, it's really exciting that Cryer Malt is back for 2021. You know, um, talking about staunch, loyal partners who support what we do um, and you know we, we don't give them much in return you know you, you, you look at a lot of media these days that have ads belaboured around everything and we try not to do that but and they let us so thank you to all of our partners. Oh, I reckon we, we slipped them in I, people will have to honestly Matt I reckon rewind and listen back to see where the ads were they were um, seamless so so beautifully hidden um, but Matt thank you very much thank you, um, thanks for having us all back again and uh, letting us do it all again oh mate thank you for coming back I, again I couldn't do it without you guys welcome back Claire I didn't have anything better to do welcome back Claire <laughs> me neither Pete. unfortunately Claire <laughs> did and she still ne- came back yeah next <laughs> next week's episode we'll uh, we'll have postcards from Claire um, postcards <laughs> from the, the beach you can tell us about your your holiday um, but uh, that's it for Bruce News Week for episode 301 I've been your host Pete Mitchum he's been Matt Kierkegaard she's been Claire Burnett you've all been too numerously individually named for us to go through them all now but thank too you too bored to do anything else you've all been too bored to do anything else <laughs> <laughs> no well that's why I through in the holiday bit. They go, oh, this is a good excuse. Some people might be experiencing this for the first time, Matt, because they've got time on their hands and they've heard about it because our listeners are so good at um, at, at sharing and uh, letting other people know that the podcast exists. Uh, don't forget, you can also um, hit us up on our Facebook page, which is specifically designed for this group of uh, um, podcast listeners, which um, just gives a little bit more in-depth stuff, um, a little bit of fun stuff. And um, it, it's, it's just a great way and oh, I, got a, I didn't want to do it, but I will. The fair income over the holidays, some of these Facebook groups that keep popping up in my feed with whinges and moaners and fair income. Just take a good ad look at yourselves. Um, or come over to ours and see how it can be done. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> drink fresh, drink local, look after yourselves and each other. Keep washing your hands because it's still a thing apparently. And uh, we'll see wear you all. A mask. Wear and a wear a mask. <laughs> If you have to, yeah, and uh, stay out of Queensland or New South Wales. Anyway, <laughs> stay out of whichever state this week. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Whichever state it is. Yeah, insert, <laughs> insert, <laughs> close down state here. Um, until next week, we'll see you all again, and we're out. Boom. 
Nice. Good, good, good boom start good to the first boom. Strong boom for 2021. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Good opener. Yeah. Don't forget, if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. 